time when things are shifting. We're going to be a new world order. We've got to lead it. The following program is brought to you by friends and partners of End Time Headlines. What's up, everyone? It is Thursday, February 23rd. We welcome you to tonight's broadcast. Uh, for you guys that are watching it on any platform, whether it be Rumble, YouTube, Facebook Live, or perhaps from the main website, we want to welcome you to the broadcast. And if you're new, let us know in the comment section below that you are new and where you guys are joining us from. We want to welcome you guys that are listening by Apple or by Spotify as well. Again, uh, I am Ricky Scaparo, the founder, the pastor, and the voice of End Time Headlines. Tonight, I want to talk. I want to give you a different angle. So let me kind of let me kind of build this up to get where we're going. Um, I have always been, and if you guys have followed us for any time, any length of time, you'll know that I have been one that has always leaned. Uh, when it comes to awakenings, revivals, outpourings, uh, in in this uh, category, I have always leaned towards we as uh, globally would see or experience uh, something like what we saw in what in theological circles what we call the uh, the former reign. This outpouring of Acts chapter two, this Joel two experience that was initiated in Acts chapter two and has been ongoing. Um, I've kind of leaned toward, you know, for years, I've leaned towards the opinion of as we get closer to the coming of the Lord, the revealing of the son of man, the end of the age, whatever you want to call it here, uh, and all of the above are correct, uh, that we would actually see um, again, based on all the scriptures, a falling away, an apostasy, a departure of faith, a, a heed, a giving of a heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And all this is scriptural. However, I want to come to a different, I want to give you a different angle today because the question arises, well, brother Ricky, is there, is there evidence in the scriptures that could indicate that before the coming of the Lord, that, that, that we could actually see something that is far greater than uh, a couple rain showers. And I'm speaking in the spiritual terms here, a couple of outpourings here and there, or, or a little bit of revival service here and there. Could we see something on a greater scale, such as the great awakening? So we're, that's what we're, that's the angle that I want to go with today. Is there scripture this? And then I want to show you how, um, when I begin to dig into this, I begin to see elements of this that, uh, on one hand, is uh, could could be said to be fearful per se, but there is a level of excitement because uh, the ramifications of what this could indicate. And you say, well, "What are you talking about?" Well, we're going to get to that. So this first article. Let's now. I want to go back, and we're going to give you an update on the Asbury 
revival. Now, some people are saying it's an awakening. Some say it's a revival. Some say it's an outpouring. It's a refreshing. Again, we throw these different terminologies out there for this. But nevertheless, I want to give you something here. I want to show you about this. And then we're going to go from there. So this is uh, from Breitbart. Asbury Christian Revival spreads like wildfire. And now it is it is going across other campuses. The extraordinary Christian revival at Asbury University has generated a spectacular domino effect with congregations around the U.S. blossoming into similar nonstop prayer and worship. Over the past two weeks, Asbury received an influx of some, now this is an extraordinary number, 50,000 Christians from all over the nation who wanted to share in the spiritual experience overwhelming the small college town of Wilmore, Kentucky, whose population is only roughly 6,000. Now, there was uh, reports from those that were there uh, right in the middle of this that said that there was so much of an influx of people and so much traffic that the city of Wilmore actually had to turn people away. They actually had to stop it. They uh, and in my opinion, this is why they had to pull the plug on these uh, public uh, venue or the public aspect of this revival of allowing the public to come and just just showing up like this, because we would have gotten into I would probably venture to say if this thing kept going, we would have hundreds of thousands of people from all over the world flying in and traveling in and it would absolutely uh, cripple the town of Wilmore. So the chances are now I know Asbury university, the president announced officially a new itinerary of the scheduling of this, and it would only be for the students and it would be shut off to the public. But I'm, I'm willing to venture to say that the city officials there probably pressured the university into stopping it on that kind of level because it was, again, it was causing so much disruption and it reminds me of uh, when you read in the book of Acts, this is what was happening in the book of Acts when the apostles were going from city to city and location to location, the crowds and the masses, even in the preaching of Jesus, even when Jesus was preaching in Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost when he was preaching. And there was these massive influxes of people that we're talking about uh the writer of Luke and other and and the gospel uh, of Matthew and other accounts talk about how there was 5000 men not including women and children that was present at his uh his, one of uh, the sermons of, that Jesus gave and where in which the miracle of the feeding of the 5000 came Again, back then, they did not count the head of women and children. It was only men, and it was 5,000 men only, not including women and children. So some estimates, you know, put this to tens of thousands came out to hear the preaching of Jesus in his day. Then you go into the book of Acts, and you have Paul, and you have Barnabas, and you have um, Silas, and you have... um, you have all these these apostles uh, the, and the early Apollos. You have different ones that went to different regions and they would preach at Ephesus and different locations. And they were seeing, again, these mass influx of people. So this is nothing new. This is uh, 
very similar to what you read about in the accounts of the gospel about the the amount of people coming in. Just as Asbury officials have moved its revival off campus this week for logistical reasons, and we just covered that, students at Samford University in Alabama have now been uh, partaking in a 24-7 prayer and worship, very similar to, again, what broke out in Asbury. Also in Ohio at Cedarville University, same thing. In Tennessee with Lee University and also in Oklahoma with Oklahoma Baptist University and Shawnee, Oklahoma. So uh, let me read this here. Quote, what's happening at Asbury is not and will not remain confined, declared Lee University campus pastor Rob Foltz. Quote, it will and already is awakening the deep wells of revival on campuses across the nation. They have been churning, pressing against the seals that have kept them hidden, and they are about to burst with new life. Sanford University campus pastor Bobby Gatlin said the spontaneous meetings reflect a real unmet need for God. He went on to say, quote, college students are hungry for authentic faith. They long to experience a Christianity that is real and meaningful. Guys, these are powerful words, and I absolutely agree with that. This is what's happening. I'm going to, I've got a book here. This is a, a really powerful book. I'll give you more about this. I recommend this book to every single person listening and watching. Uh, you guys that are watching by, or listening by Spotify or podcast, I know you don't see what I'm showing you, but I will talk more about that in just a second. And I want to, when I get into this book a little bit, I'm going to, I'm going to show you the conditions of the nation and nations of the world in the time of the first and second great awakening and why it became ripe for the moves of God that they experienced and why we're seeing a parallel of this today. This movement is a grassroots stirring that can only be explained by the spirit of God working in the lives of individuals and small groups of students who are coming together in faith for several years. Multiple students have prayed for and asked about revival. Let me say that again. For several years, multiple students have prayed and asked for revival. So again, we think, listen to me real quick. This is a spiritual principle that I want to teach you here. We think that uh, revivals and awakenings and these outpourings are spontaneous and they just happen. Well, from the outside looking in, they can appear to be spontaneous because they were not planned. They were not penciled in. They were not organized, but in the, uh, I, I cannot tell you in the, the realms of heaven, these were not, uh, spontaneous for any, listen, you show me anywhere in the world historically where there has been revivals, outpourings, awakenings, and even on a lower level, what we would call refreshing. That's really, when we talk about revival, we've talked about this. The word revival is really, if you want to find, people has asked me, I've heard this over and over again, well, where's revival in the Bible? Again, Acts chapter three, it's called refreshing. Okay. But there's levels of this. You, you can experience an outpouring you can experience an outpouring and you can experience a revival right in your living room. 
in your car, in your home, in your woods, in your field, in your backyard, in your basement, in your office, in your kitchen. You can put on some worship music and you can get lost in the presence of God. You can get lost in prayer and intercession and, and just seeking the Lord through intercession, through prayer and through repentance. And, and you can experience right there where you're at. God is not confined to the four walls of a building, location, proximity, time, none of that. You can, he said, if you'll draw near to me, I will draw near to you. And Jeremiah 29, listen, we love Jeremiah 29, 11. That's one of our favorite scriptures for, for I know the plans that I have towards you, says the Lord. And they are thoughts of good and not of evil to give you a future, to give you a hope and give you an expected end. But read on and you go to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 12 and 13. It says, seek me and search for me and I shall be found by you when you search for me with all of your heart. The Bible says in first Chronicles, the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro over the entire earth looking for someone that he can show himself strong through whose eyes have turned towards him. And whose heart has not turned to idols and worthless things. So refreshing can happen. Quote unquote revival can happen. An outpouring can happen right in your living room. But then what happens is as we fan that flame, it become, we become combustible. And we begin to become contagious. John Wesley once said that he would catch himself. Now, I'm not talking about literal here, but spiritually speaking, he would catch himself on fire. And so that people could come and they would gather to watch him burn. And I'm telling you, fire spreads, the embers spread. So it, it, it starts out as a, uh, an individual refreshing, an individual outpouring. But then there are two or more gathered in his name. And what happens? They start gathering around in a home and they all become on fire for God. And then they go and they begin to witness to their neighbors and they invite their neighbors over to a home meeting. And then they come on, they get born again. They get saved. They get on fire. And then all of a sudden you got a neighborhood revival taking place. Hallelujah. In your community, Leonard Ravenhill once said, if there's a fire, if there's a home on fire in your neighborhood, no one needs to announce it. Everybody will know that there's a fire burning in your neighborhood. And the same goes for a move of God in your community. If God is moving among you, it doesn't need to be announced. It doesn't need to be programmed. People will know and they will come to it. So this is what's happening here. So now we're moving. What has happened is started out as a refreshing, an outpouring, a revival. But now could it, it, it appears at least to me and to others on, on observation that the embers are spreading outside of the four walls of Asbury, outside of the community of Wilmore outside now of the state of Kentucky. Now we're seeing Alabama get involved, Ohio get involved, Tennessee get involved, Texas get involved. So what are we talking about? We're seeing 
we're seeing the rumbles. And this is kind of, if you watched our last, not the last podcast we did, uh, uh, when, what is today? Thursday, uh, Tuesday, not the one we did Tuesday, but the one Monday. We talk about the rumbles of awakening because so this is kind of uh, we're just kind of going right off of this that message on Monday. It looks to be and, and time will tell, friends, whether these are or we're seeing the rumbles of a third great awakening. And listen, we should be exuberant about this. We should be excited about this. And unfortunately, not everyone is, depending on your denomination, your tradition, and your theological background and understanding, you may not be excited about this because it probably doesn't fit in your concept and your expectation of how and, uh, or I should say how God is going to move. And how he's going to do it and when he's going to do it and the methods in which he will do it. So this probably doesn't fit in your box, in your theological box, your square, your understanding. But nevertheless, God is not looking for your approval. I don't want to get in. We've covered that Monday. So let's move on. I want to pull this back up. Uh, I want to read this here. This is from. Byron Paulus Palus. I don't know how you pronounce his name. So I hope I didn't slaughter that brother's name too much. We'll say this is from uh, an individual there from Baylor campus. Um, he, this is what he wrote. Growing intensity and urgency in prayer and worship will lead to accelerating movement of revival. A powerful, quote, how to pray document circulating on campus. Never in my 47 years of revival ministry have I seen this widespread of movement. Now, uh, let me click on this, see if we can zoom in. So here you're looking at this. If you're watching uh, visual of the podcast, a day of prayer, our purpose. I'm not going to read all this, but it's an, it's a prayer guideline. And this is what they're doing. They're simply going through a guideline of prayer and God is honoring it. Why? Why is God honoring it? Honoring it because of the hunger and the anticipation and the outcry and the expectation of the people and the heart of the people. So this again, exciting news exciting stuff happening here so again this is breitbart then i want to go to uh here's another report this this was phenomenal as well god can speak in showers or waves tennessee middle school students are now leading prayer song and repentance wow so again this is from the christianpost.com um, as a spiritual awakening moves now, they're calling it here a, a spiritual awakening. So again, these are the terms now that are being used as it moves among uh, college students across the nation. One K 12 school in Tennessee said it, it is also seeing a revival atmosphere spreading on its campus. 
Uh, according to the report, Grace Christian Academy of Knoxville experienced an unplanned worship service on Friday where several middle school students held prayer, shared confessions, a.k.a. repentance, because you got, I've got to emphasize that because people, well, where's the repentance, Brother Ricky? I don't see anybody repenting. And even made professions of faith. People are getting, there's people that were probably once saved, even in a Christian uh, school. But they're making professions of faith. They're giving their heart to the Lord. So again, for all you Reformed theologists and you hardline Baptists, and you Calvinist and you sensationist and every other denomination out there that are marking this off as not a move of God, emotionalism, demonic, whatever, and saying, well, I don't see any fruit. I'm not seeing people repenting. I'm not seeing lives changed. I'm not seeing preaching. I'm not seeing transformations and salvations. Here you go. So this one's for you. And this is not in a church. It's not in your denomination. It's not in your little four walls of your community. It's in the most unexpected locations and places happening. This is a move. Listen, if we are truly seeing an awakening, I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, this awakening is impacting the Joel 2, in my opinion, prophecy of the young people, the sons and daughters. Now, again, that was initiated on the day of Pentecost, but that was, and I'm going to show you in just a minute. I believe God gave me some real revelation on this that I had not seen in previous seasons that I'm now seeing more than ever. And I'll explain Joel 2, Pentecost, Acts 2 verses now and why, uh, what we're seeing here. I'm going to explain that in just a minute. Let me read on a little bit more in this article right here. Um, a spokesperson for GCA told the Christian Post in an emailed statement on Tuesday that the gathering began with the school's annual tradition of discipleship days. The discipleship days seeks to have uh, GCA students enriched by God's word, grow in love for Jesus and put their faith into action by holding classroom discussions and activities with the theme being, quote, know him, love him and love them. Uh, last Friday, after G GCA concluded the worship service for their middle school students, many felt compelled to continue their time of worship. Uh, again, this was from a spokesperson. Leadership pivoted and planned afternoon activities and allowed students to lead one another in song and prayer. This led to students repenting, confessing, and seeking Christ. I love it. Listen, this is according to uh, this is the uh, the the GCA upper school principal. She said, quote, God can speak in showers or waves. And at last week's discipleship days, he decided to flood our campus with his presence. Uh, now. As a tenured member of the CG or GCA community, I only remember one other time in 2010 when we experienced a profound demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Quote, I pray that the Lord will continue to flood our halls with his presence. Discipleship days is only a ripple in the ocean of what can happen here at the school. 
The academy intends to continue discipling students who made professions of faith and hold small group discussions in response to the worship gathering. Uh, let me read one more thing she said, and we'll move on here. We praise God that students' lives have been transformed forever, and we have witnessed eternity-changing decisions through this school-wide initiative. Now, again, this is the same thing that was happening in Wilmore, Kentucky. And it is absolutely mind-boggling that people would come against that and attack that. If this was your students, if this was your your sons or your daughters or your grandsons or your granddaughters, wouldn't you not rejoice with them? Would you not be excited that they're experiencing an outpouring of the Holy Ghost and transforming and changing their lives and marking them for eternity? It's it's absolutely mind blowing that people are um, are so cynical about this. And again, it's and it's all based on their own personal theology or their tradition. Again, nothing new under the sun. They were doing this in the book of Acts when the apostles were preaching the gospel. And we're going to talk more about that in just a second now. As this thing continues to build momentum and it spreads, it's catching national attention. I want to show you, now this was an article from CBN News, Anne Graham Lotz, which is the daughter of the late uh, Billy Graham. Well, they called him American America's Evangelist. She said, quote, this could be the last great awakening as Asbury Revival fires reach new campuses. Let me say that one more time. She said, this could be, we could be witnessing, we could be experiencing the last great awakening. Uh, Now, without going too much into this article, she's just going to kind of reiterate what we've already talked about. But let me read to you. I want to read the climate that was present during the first awakenings. So in doing that, I want to read a little bit of excerpts from now. Uh, this is the book. I suggest if you do not have this book, go out and get it. It's called Revival Fire by Wesley Duwell. Duwell, Duwell, I believe that's how you pronounce it. Um, he is one of the, uh, he does an amazing job in research over 25 years, it's longer than that now because this book is uh, was released many years ago. So it's been longer than that. But he did extensive research on revivals and awakenings throughout history. And I want to read a little bit of this. Um, in his research that he did regarding the conditions uh, prior to the awakenings that transpired in the first and second great awakenings, Listen to what he says. Um, Let's talk about Europe. The spiritual life in the churches largely died out. Keep all this in mind. Now, I want you to think about today, right now in 2023, when I read this. And this was, we're not reading about today. We're reading about back then. The spiritual life in the churches largely died out. Sin engulfed the nations again. Hello? Hello? Civil unrest 
rioting, smuggling, and violence were threatening England. Wow. Okay, let's read on. Um, let me read on. The before the revivals broke out in England, the in the eighteenth century, it was a time of great moral and spiritual darkness, political restlessness, and social need in many parts of the world. In England, deism had had a devastating effect. The authority of the Bible was shaken. Spiritual indifference and skepticism abounded. And liberty degenerated into license. Quote, religion was emptied of its spirituality and power. Um, let me give you the Bible's vernacular on that. They had a form of godliness, but they were denying the power thereof. Guys, in case you're not catching the parallel, everything is parallel conditional wise. Again, we're seeing this again. Look at all. If you got, listen, you guys have followed our ministry. How we have exhaustively wore you out with article after article after of research after research after post after post after podcast after podcast showing you that we are seeing a decline morally and spiritually of not just Europe, but of America. And I would say even greater, even outside of that, even outside of the West, we are seeing this happen on a global scale. The church is losing its power. The church is losing its authority. The church is uh, becoming spineless. It's... uh losing its conviction. They're no longer preaching the gospel that is based on the word of God. But let me, let me go on here. According to his research, he said, quote, church services were in decline. Church buildings fell into despair. Worship was neglected. And not more than four or five members of the House of Commons even attended church. This is how dark it got before the dawn of the awakening. The common people in England, throughout England, were for the most part ignorant and amazingly brutal. There were schools only for the elite and few towns had any kind of police force. Um, are you listening? Wow. Mobs ransacked and pillaged in London and Birmingham, burning houses, flinging open prisons and terrorizing people. Every third house in London was selling liquor. Gin shops invited the public to get drunk for a penny, dead uh, or dead drunk for two pence and straw to lie on till the drunken stupor was gone. Londoners rarely traveled after dark except with an armed group, a group. So again, um, and we, again, we could go on and on. These were the conditions of Europe before the first and second great awakenings. And I've been, I'm telling you today, friends, everything is ripe for another great awakening. Now I want to, We've gone about 
31 minutes. Let me spend the next 15 minutes or so. And I want to, I want to shift a little bit because here's the question I proposed at the beginning of this podcast. Is there possible scriptural evidence to indicate that we are indeed going to see one final outpouring of the Holy Ghost on a scale that we would call in verbiage a great awakening to sweep the globe. Well, let's get after it. All right, let's go to the book of Haggai chapter two. Now, I read this first last week in a podcast. I want to read it again. This is Haggai two, six to nine. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations and they shall come to the desire of all nations. All right, so God's saying, I'm going to shake everything that can be shaken. Everything, the financial sector, the political sector, the religious sector, everything that we're accustomed to, familiar with, comfortable with, our whole way of life, everything nationwide, globally going to be shaken to the core. Everything that can be shaken, be shaken. But listen what he says here. And. We we have to include the rest of this. I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. Now, he uses a term here that's going to be very interesting, and you've got to pay attention here. This is why I've highlighted this if you're watching this. Verse 9, the glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former. So he talks about a former and latter glory. Somebody say that with me, that you're, that if you're watching or listening today, I will need you to say that with me because I want you to, you got to stay on track here. Former and latter glory. And the prophet says that the glory that will be revealed will be greater than the former. So again, if we take this scripture in its context here, it's, it indicates that there's going to come this global shaking, disasters, economic turmoil, moral decline, spiritual decline, civil unrest, uh, apostasy, etc. All this stuff, all this is going to happen, the shaking. But out of it shall come a greater glory that will that will surpass the former glory. Now, when you go into, now look at this. I want to go to, turn with me. If you're if you're listening here, I need you to turn with me to the book of James chapter five. James five, we're going to read from one through eight. I'm telling you, this is good stuff, guys. I'm telling you, it's powerful stuff. Ready? Look what it says here. Come now, you rich. Now, who would have ever thought James would have been a prophet? James, the brother of Jesus. He's probably one of those who you would have never perceived to be a prophet, but he gives you a end time prophecy here. Listen to what he says. Come now, you rich. Weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth eaten. Your gold is and silver are corroded. Now notice he mentions gold and silver and thus so did Haggai, right? Now watch this. And their corrosion will be a witness against you and eat and will eat your flesh like fire. Listen carefully. You have reaped up treasure in the last days. Now, again, 
this is the prophetic of this. James is telling us that what he's about to tell you and I was not for his day. This was not for his day. This was for a future generation, a future time in which the author said it will be the last days. And watch what he says. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Saboth. That is not Sabbath there. It's Saboth. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury, and you have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. As in a day of slaughter, you have condemned, you have murdered the just. He does not resist you. So it, uh, it, what this is implying here and what James is implying is there will be a generation on the earth in the last days uh, that will be uh, it will be of uh, the elites, the rich, and they will be corrupt they will refuse to extend their hand to the poor, to the needy, to the widow, to the orphans. They will not help the church. They will, they will be uh, completely godless. And because of this, James said that, uh, it will be a witness against them. And he, he, the verbiage he uses terrifying. It says, he says it will eat their flesh like fire. Um, and they're fattening their hearts for the day of slaughter. So in other words, he's saying the judgment's coming on the account of this. But then here's where I've got to get your attention. If you go to the verse under it, James 5, 7, listen what he says. He shift gears here. In the former passage, he's speaking to the rich the corrupt of the world in the last age. Y'all follow me? But then he shifts gears and he starts talking to the church. That's you and I. Do I got your attention now? Listen, he says, therefore be patient, brethren. Now, again, we know there's sisters that are listening as well, but this was a term they used back then and it meant the church. So again, I don't want to get into all that, but therefore be patient, church. It has no harm to the scripture when I say this. Until, be patient until the coming of the Lord. Now look at the next verse. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. I'm going to read the whole thing and then I'm going to come back and elaborate. Waiting patiently for it. He's used the word patient twice here. Until it receives the early and latter rain. Somebody say early and latter rain. Now remember, now, why did I have you repeat that? Because remember, when you went over to Haggai, what did he say? He said there would be a former glory and a latter glory. And then you get over to the book of James and he mentions an early rain and a latter rain. Now, watch this. Both Haggai chapter two, verses six to nine and James chapter five, verses one through eight, both indicate some type of judgment that God has his direct hand in that will shake the nations of the world. The uh, Haggai described this as the, uh, he said, heaven, earth, sea, and dry land and all nations. James 
gets a little bit more specific in detail and says there's coming a great economic shaking that will impact the corrupt rich in the last days. But don't miss it. Disasters, shakeups, and judgment. But watch this. But Haggai says out of it all, some of y'all know where I'm going with this already, out of it will produce a glory. God will, you will see the glory of the Lord shine forth in the midst of the disaster, in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the shaking, in the midst of the judgment. And James says, he uses an analogy here. He's not talking about literal farmers out here. He's talking figurative speaking. He's talking about when he says that be patient for the coming of the Lord, the farmer here waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. The farmer is Yahweh is God Elohim Yeshua. It is God waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. Listen, the precious fruit of the earth is souls of the earth come on are you getting what i'm saying here jesus said look out look around the harvest surely is plentiful but the labors are few i need you to rise up i need you to raise up i need you to get on fire i need you come on to experience an awakening a revival an outpouring refreshing and so that you can get excited to take that sickle in your hand and go out into the harvest and begin to reap souls from the north, the south, the east, and from the west. Now watch. I, uh, oh, come on. I got to get back there. Watch this. He says that the farmer, which we have now showed you, is the Lord waiting for the precious fruit of the earth, which is souls. Look at this. Is waiting patiently until it receives the early and latter rain. Now, what is he talking about here? It is, in my opinion, after much study on this, Let me pull this away so I can get your attention here. Acts chapter two was the former rain. It was the outpouring that was prophesied by Joel and confirmed by the apostle Peter. Remember, he stood up and said, this is that which was prophesied by Joel, that in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, sons and daughters. He said sons and daughters. Now, all right, now watch this. Then as we get towards the last days, the end of the age, it is. There is now what I've showed you. It looks like there could very well be an indication that there is going to be a latter day outpouring or what Haggai said, a the glory from it will produce the glory that shall be greater than the former. So now why now why would God do this? Why would God send a last day latter day outpouring upon the earth. Now, what I'm about to tell you and what I'm about to share with you is I don't want to bring, I don't want to bring fear to you. I don't want to bring concern to you. I want you to be aware, but remember we listen, if you're on the side of the Lord, you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be fearful. We need to be, uh, we need to have a, a great expectation. 
But watch this. Could it be possible, friends, that our nation, and I would say the West, the West is about to get directly involved in a global conflict, another world war. And I'm just saying, I'm just throwing this out there. I'm not saying it's going to happen. But it will, it could result, and I say could, could result in a mass loss of lives. And because this, we are on the precipice of this happening in our lifetime. Because remember, our generation, and maybe some of your generation, even before me, has never experienced something like many of our brothers and sisters that were alive during the Great Depression, during World War I, during World War II, Vietnam, and all these other wars. We have not experienced this in our lifetime. So we are overdue for such a conflict. And you go back and you, and when you go back and you look at um, the loss of lives, that took place in these uh, these wars. It is uh, it's it's staggering. For example, in the Korean War, there was at least there was an estimated thirty three thousand seven hundred and thirty nine lives lost. The Vietnam War estimation forty seven thousand four hundred and thirty four lives in Desert Shield Desert Storm. 148 America's wars. Let's just use uh, uh, World War One, 53,402 World War Two, 291,557. When you combine the total American wars, you have a staggering 651,031 lives lost. And that's an estimate. That's a rough estimate. So nearly a million lives lost between all these global wars. And this was before the in, in uh, the invention of some of the, the, the warfare weapons that we have today and at our disposal that Russia has, that China has, that, um, that other nations have that this was even before that. So the loss of lives would be even far greater than that. When you get into the tribulation, the loss of lives, when the, 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 uh, the, the rider comes, the pale horse rider comes and the horse on the, on the, the rider on the red horse and it brings war and the sword upon the earth. The, the number of lives that will be lost is staggering. So here's what I'm trying to say to you. Is it possible that in the eye of God, the spirit of God, the mind of God, knowing he's the beginning, the end, the first and the last, knowing what's about to happen, what we're about to embark into, what could be on the horizon, that God is now answering the prayers of many multitudes of parents, grandparents, great grandparents, and the sons and daughters of our day. And now could it be, I don't know. I'm not saying it is, but I'm saying we need to, we need to watch, observe and see. And, and if you are anywhere near these campuses and you've got young people and where you you can get in on this or for goodness sake, right where you're at, start a fire, let it burn. Like Wesley said, catch yourself on fire, ignite it to everyone else around you. 
And let this, the fires of revival begin to spread in your church, in your community, in your city, in your town, in your state. So there's a momentum that's gathering that we're moving from what we call refreshing revival. And it looks like it's bursting out of the four walls of buildings and it's going across states. And now we can be getting into, again, what Ann Graham Lotz uh, said is could be could be the final great awakening before the Lord returns. And could it be possible? The reason why God is allowing this is because of what he sees in the forefront. So again, let me go back to James. He said the farmer is waiting patiently for the precious fruit of the earth through this early and latter rain so that we can get as many people into the kingdom as we possibly can before this thing wraps up. You do realize that the heart of God is it's the will of the father. It's the will of God that none perish, but that all come to repentance and to the saving knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what the scripture says. So you now I know you're watching today and you're saying, well, brother Ricky, I don't think this is a move of God. I don't think it's real. And you insist on verbally attacking, assaulting and degrading students there, people there, people that are involved. Listen, I want to leave you with some wise words from a, a, a rabbi in the days of the book of Acts. His name was Rabbi Gamiel. Uh, this man is, uh, according to uh, historical, doc, uh, historical uh, accounts, this was the rabbi of the apostle Paul. This is what he said in Acts chapter five, verses 35 through 39. You have the apostles that are going into the streets and preaching the gospel. And it is infuriating the religious sects, S-E-C-T-S of that day. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law. It's turning upside down their denominations, what they perceived a move of God to look like what they say it was going to be like and what it can only be. So here you have the apostles coming in and they're, they're turning all this upside down on their head. And these Pharisees and the teachers of law and the Sanhedrin, all them, they are furious. They're trying to lock them up, but they keep breaking out of jail supernaturally. They're threatening them with death. They're threatening them with this and beating them and all this stuff. And watch this. But then this rabbi stands up and he speaks to the people. Listen, this is in Acts 5, 35. And he said unto them, men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Thetis rose up claiming to be somebody and a number of men, about 400 joined him. He ended up being slain and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. And after this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him. He also perished and all who obeyed him were dispersed. Verse 38. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and leave them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. 
Verse 39. But if it is of God, oh, come on, you cannot overthrow it unless you even be found to fight against God himself. Now, that's the words of wisdom from this rabbi that I leave with you today. I don't know which side of the camp you're on over here, over there. It's of God. It's not of God. But I, you know what? I say, why not leave these kids alone? Listen, again, I'm going to I'm going to preface this and say this again or emphasize this rather. These kids could be doing anything else in the world. They could be they could be doing drugs. They could be drinking alcohol. They could be committing fornication. They could be uh, robbing stores, looting. They could do any of these things, but yet they have chose to come together and pray and worship God and seek God and confess their sins one to another and love one another and weep on their knees interceding and praying and we have the audacity to instead of celebrating with them to take out our wet blankets of our denominational traditions and theology and throw it on them and try to snuff out that fire let's shame on you shame on you for doing this so let me give you the words of advice. Instead of opening your mouth, getting quick, get on your keyboard, your phone or your tablet, get on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and wherever you social media rant at, instead of you going with your tongue lashing and beating them up and putting them out with your red blanket, why don't you heed the words of this rabbi? And if it's of God, you're not going to be able to stop it. If it's not of God, it will fizzle out. It will burn out. So again, I want to leave you with that. So this is, um, I know this is a different word. This is a heavy word. I believe it's something that we need to pray into and steward. So right now we've gone 54 minutes. Let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we come together as a collective body of believers, brothers and sisters and sons and daughters that are watching, listening today right now. Lord, we come into agreement with every, with every student and every believer, sons, daughters, those that are involved in these campuses across America and the schools and, and even outside of America that are burning in revival and self personal devotional revival and it's spreading out to corporate revival and it's even going out further into what now looks like the earmarks of what could be of the next great awakening God we fan the flames today we are not going to put out the flame we say fan the flame we say burn hotter we say burn brighter I pray that the flames of awakening would begin to burn in our state let it come to Georgia let it come to your state let it come to our schools let it come to your schools let it come to my household. Let it come to your household. Let it impact my sons and sons. Let it impact your sons and daughters. Let it impact your grandchildren. Let it 
Come, I say, Father, let the outer uh, or the latter day outpouring, the latter day rains, let it begin to fall on us now in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody, put down your umbrella and 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 get wet in the Holy Spirit and what He's doing. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. Get filled with the power of God and excitement of God. Get yourself on fire to burn and watch people come and gather around and watch you burn for the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on. And everybody said amen and amen. Listen, God bless you guys. Endtimeheadlines.org, endtimeheadlines.com. That's our main website. If you've not downloaded our free app, it is available on Apple and Android right there on the screen. You can get that today by typing in Endtime Headlines. Download it today. Push yes to push notifications. You're going to be notified of every headline and every podcast when it is readily available available right there at your fingertips. If this ministry is a source of blessing, information, revelation, equipping to you and your family on a week-to-week basis, we want you to pray about becoming a monthly partner. You can do that that two different ways. You can give electronically right there on your screen. There's information about that. You can go to your app, click, uh, go to the bottom where it says donate. You can do that there. Or you can give by check or money order by making it out to End Time Headlines. That's P.O. Box 1391, Monroe, Georgia, 306. Five five. As always, guys, uh, thank you so much for your prayers, your partnership, and your support of End Time Headlines. We're going to sign off for today. We'll be right back here tomorrow in the studio, Lord willing, on the 24th of February at 8 p.m. Eastern with another great podcast. Until then, may the Lord bless you, may he keep you, and may his countenance shine upon you. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the End Time Headlines podcast. We pray that you've been blessed and equipped by today's message. For more information about how you can help partner with our ministry, please visit endtimeheadlines.org.